Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. How are we? I didn't even need the mic there. I was that loud. Who's Lou loves singing those songs? Just one of some of the classics out there. I, I love all worship music, but I love the ones that is just like straight focus onto the Lord. You know what I'm saying? And the worship team, team did a great job. Do you not think? Yeah. Come on, give them a give them a wee clap. <laughs> Encouragement's good. I was going to try and sing it there, but I'm not. Christ alone. Come on, cornerstone. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. Oh, you got it, church. Through the storm. Lord of all. Oh, come on, somebody. Give go. <laughs> that was my first, potentially my last ever time leading worship. What do you think, Phil? Could I make it? Could I make it through auditions? I heard like when you're like Simon Kyle in the auditions for the worship leaders, you're like, maybe next year, maybe next year. Go work on yourself, read your Bible, and we'll talk next year. <laughs> I'm joking, he's not, he's not. Um, really excited to share with you guys today. Um, felt like Phil, Phil gave me a heads up a few weeks back, I was going to do obviously two weeks ago and do today, and I, I knew straight away the message done a couple of weeks ago was um, one that I wrote fresh, but I felt like God said to bring a message that I preached before um, to you guys this morning. So I felt that about a month ago when Phil asked me. So I've just been tweaking it, refining it, getting it ready for you guys, and I hope it speaks to you guys today. Um, hope it blesses you. So I'm looking forward to sharing. And I just wanted to give a shout out. Um, Alpha has completed. It was done our six weeks. And just loved hearing the testimonies come through. Phil was sharing them with the team, people experiencing God, people meeting Jesus. Um, so it was just an awesome, awesome six weeks. So if you were a part of that, it was amazing. We were glad to have had you. And we're looking forward to doing the next one. Whenever we decide to do that, it'll be great. So um, let's do it. Look, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is called, There is a City or a Town or a Village or a Hamlet or a neighborhood, no, just a city, but I'm abbreviating it, beyond that vine. There is a city beyond that vine. Phil's put a nice little vine up here for me that I'm going to use later to illustrate. Is this real? Is it? I thought, I thought it was Ikea. Nine, real plastic. <laughs> awesome, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, and um, oh, it was so good worshiping you, singing to you. It's what we love to do, Father. It's why we're here. We're here because we want to meet with you. We want to worship you. We want to communion with you. We want to have fellowship and hang out together, do life together, Father. And so I pray, Lord, at this portion of our service, Lord, that you would take over. I pray you'd help me get out of the way, Lord, so you can speak to your people. Because if I'm reading off an iPad, it doesn't do much, Lord. But Holy Spirit, if you speak to people's hearts through the power of your word, they can leave here changed, Father. And I pray that that's what would happen for people today. They would be encouraged, they'd be challenged, and they would be inspired by your word to go out and glorify you and live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I'm going to try to sit. Anytime I ask for a stool, it normally lasts about five minutes and then I'm up again, but I'm going to try and sit for a wee bit while I, while I preach. 
and speak to you guys. Let me start with a wee story, as I love to. Every time I preach, I love kicking off with a story. Um, a few years ago, 10 years ago actually, maybe closer to 11, I left Northern Ireland to travel to Australia and I had a great time over there. I met the Lord over there. It was really impactful time in my life. But before I became a Christian, I was living up in North Queensland. Don't know if you know where that is. It's up, it's tropical, Great Barrier Reefs up there. And anything that can kill you, any animal that can kill you, it probably lives there. Like anything like, you see all these postcards of these beautiful beaches and then you get there and they're like, oh no, you, oh, no, you can't swim. There's tiger sharks, there's box jellyfish, there's, uh, there's crocodiles. So you're like, okay, well, I'll just look at it then, you know, I'll go swim in the pool. So we were living up there for a while and I was working in, I was doing a bit of rural work because uh, they make you do regional work to get a second year visa. So me and some of my friends were doing a bit of rural work to get our second year visa. And we lived about 30 minutes away from a beach called Mission Beach. Mission Beach. And Mission Beach is really popular because a lot of people do their skydives there. It's off the Great Barrier Reef and it's got a massive beach so you can do your skydive and land on the beach. So we went down one weekend and we were like, look, we're going to take all these kayaks out onto the water, you know, all backpackers, no locals, Irish, British, French, a whole bunch of us were like, let's just go out. We know what we're talking about. This is our territory. We're just going to take out the kayaks, do a wee bit of fish, and it's going to be beautiful. Just like in Craig Avon Lakes, mate, you know, it's like going out. It's gorgeous. So we went out about a kilometer, literally, and it was flat. It was absolutely beautiful. And um, we're just off the Great Barrier Reef. And so what we done was, to keep all our kayaks together, we wrapped a rope around them all. And we got like, you know one of those like cloth bags that you get from like a supermarket, you get from like Little or somewhere? Like reusable ones, the proper bags for life. I know they call the 10p ones bags for life, but that's like bag for two trips. Like the proper cloth bags that cost about two pounds. We would fill them with rocks and use it as an anchor. So we'd tie all our kayaks together and drop that bag filled with rocks so that we would stay put. So we're sitting out there living the dream, getting a suntan, and we're, we're doing a bit of fishing. And then my mate's fishing rod just gets yanked out of his hand, like flies literally meters away. And he goes, that thing cost me 40 bucks, and he dives in after it. So we go, yeah, oh yeah, someone's all, some people have already clocked what's going on. I hadn't clocked at this point, by the way. So my mate comes back with his fishing rod and we're sitting there and then we're all just start looking at each other and we went, we're in tropical North Queensland. We've been chopping bait up on the kayak and the blood has been running off the kayak into the water and something of extreme force just ripped your kayak out of your hands, Anthony. And I was like, you're a big lad. You go to the gym and that thing, whatever it was, pulled that fishing rod out of your hand and we all just looked at each other and went, sharks, sharks. Everyone freaked out. Everyone starts cutting it, pulling up the ropes. People are flying. You've never seen backpackers move as fast on water in your life, flying a kilometer in about 30 seconds. The only problem was, guys, I was giving it stacks, rowing like crazy, and I was going nowhere. As a matter of fact, I was trying so hard that I was tipping my kayak over trying to escape. Now, my mate being the encouraging mate that he is. Sorry, I get a wee drink. As, of course, he vacated the area. He was encouraging me, but he was vacating the area very fast. He shouted back. He went, Ryan, it's your technique. And I went, technique? I was like, it's not the Black Swan Opera, mate. 
Is that the Black Swan Ballet? Sorry. I was like, I'm doing the exact same thing I've done to get out here. In, out, in, out. Row, row, row. Row your boat. I'm singing all that. I'm going nowhere. Anyway, he didn't stop. He just went on. And no word of a lie, guys. You, I'm not, not joking here. You couldn't have scripted this. If you've lived in a tropical country, you'll know that massive storms can just come in like that. What was once a flat, beautiful water, crystal clear, these clouds started coming in, raining. Things started getting choppy. All my mates are back at the shore, you know what I mean? They're at the bar, you know, one of them's cracked the beer. They're just watching to see what happens. And I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, what I do? And what do you do, guys, in situations like this when you're not saved, when you don't know the Lord, and you need out of a real difficult situation? What do you do? You pray. I went, Lord, it's me again. I promise, if you get me out of this one, I'll go to church. Please, Lord, I want to live. I don't want to get eaten by Bruce from Finding Nemo. That's all I could picture circling beneath me going, come on in, mate. Come on in for another dip, mate. I don't want to get swooped away in this monsoon. I was like, Lord, if you get me out of this one, I'll go to church. Anyway, no word of a lie again. I just felt, heard, whatever you want to call it, this voice in my heart, in my head saying, put your hand under the kayak. Bear in mind, I've been about 10, 15 minutes. My triceps were aching. I was absolutely exhausted. And I was like, put my hand under the kayak. I'm not putting my hand anywhere near that water. Put your hand under the kayak. I put my hand under the kayak, and what did I feel? A rope. My good mate, Dan the Man, from Brighton, Thought it was a good idea to tie the anchor without my knowledge onto my kayak <laughs> and then proceed to secure all the other kayaks, my kayak being the anchor. Of course, he didn't tell me about this. He didn't think to let me know. Was he at about 80 kilometers per hour headed back to the shore? I've been 15 minutes just paddling while my anchor was caught up in a bunch of coral. Well, my goodness, I pulled that anchor up, put it to the back of the kayak. You've never seen I mean, I know there's some fast guys out in Craig Avon Lakes, mate, out in, out in the lock. You've never seen someone on a kayak move that fast as I got back to shore. And what am I trying to say? That sometimes we got a plan and we need to change the plan. Sometimes things happen in our life, situations, external circumstances are trying to direct us another way. They're trying to direct us to safety. Sometimes we want to do things our way but God's going, let me nudge you back to do things my way. Sometimes we want to quit. We want to get out of a scenario like me on the kayak. I, for good reason, I needed to get out of that scenario. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about what do we do when it comes to our walk with God. I want to talk about the will of God. I want to talk about the calling of God. And I want to talk about our walk with God. Three massive theological topics that I plan to cover in the next 24 minutes. Pray for me. We'll see where we end up. He's up for that? Awesome. And so speaking of nearly getting eaten by big fish, I want to turn to the book of Jonah. If you've been around church for a while, Sunday school, um, anything like that, you've probably read, heard, heard about Jonah. If you haven't, we're going to dive right into it. I'll fill you in. Jonah's a good lad. We're going to talk about him right now. It's my daughter encouraging me. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Well done, well done. Amen. 
So we're going to turn to Jonah, uh, we're going to go through a couple of chapters, and I'm going to unpack it as we go, okay? The guy's going to put it on the screen, so why don't you follow me, and I'll kind of unpack the context as we go, I'll unpack what Jonah's doing as we go, and then we're going to pull some points from Jonah's walk and see if they're maybe a wee bit relatable to our walk with God. Is that cool? Awesome. All right, Jonah 1, verses 1 to 3 in the NIV version. It says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish just straight away. That'd be like me going to Phil, like, Phil, do you want to go to Lisbon for coffee and him just turn around and like running away? Like no response, just like, no, no, I do not. So Jonah literally just done a bolter. He's like, I am out. And we can look at that and go, what's Jonah playing at? But let me tell you exactly a little bit what's going on. The city that God wanted Jonah to go to was called Nineveh. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians at the time were the superpower of the time. They were taking over countries left, right, and center. And guess what the country was next in their line of sight? None other than Israel, where our boy Jonah is from. And now you can Google it after this, Google Assyrian, you know, Assyrian Empire, Assyrian exiles, Assyrian ways of conquering. Have a look. You'll notice that most historians would reckon the Assyrians to be in one of the most barbaric, brutal um, empires of its time. They literally, when they would conquer people, would take big fish hooks, the size of human heads, put it through people's cheeks link them all up together and walk them into exile after they conquered the land. They'd walk them out as prisoners. They were absolutely brutal. And Nineveh is the capital of that city or of that empire at the time. So God's going to Jonah. See these boys here that are coming up, coming with big fish hooks that are coming to try and take your land. I actually want you, an Israelite who they don't really like, to go to their capital city to walk all the way into the middle of their capital city and not just to go, hey, God loves you. Do you want to come to Alpha? You know, we're going to have pizza, talk about the Lord. No, I want you to go and preach against them. I want you to go in and be like, no, you're wicked. You need to turn from your ways. The Lord has seen your wickedness. He has seen what you're doing and we're get, he's given you this chance to turn to your ways. So let's have a wee bit of grace for Jonah told you the thing wouldn't last, but I'm going to use it again later. Let's have a little bit of grace for Jonah whenever we see him do a complete bolter. Because it's no small thing God just asked him to do. And Jonah's like, ain't vibing it. And we know Jonah was a prophet. Jesus later in the Gospels confirms Jonah was a prophet, which means he was sold out for the Lord. He was in full-time ministry. He was wanting to do something for the Lord. We assume he had some sort of good relationship with the Lord, and we know he did as we read on. So he had all these things, and still he freaked out. He's like, I'm out of here. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. I'm going to explain what Tarshish is because we're going to refer to these two cities a lot. Tarshish is in Spain, south of Spain, on the beach. Oh, come on. You see where I'm going? Sunny most of the year. In the Bible, Tarshish is referred to as a place of strength. Massive, strong navy, naval fleets come from Tarshish. It's a place of prosperity. The Bible talks about gold and onyx coming from Tarshish. And also, when you look at the biblical map, Spain is about as far as you can get away from Israel. 
It's about as far as you can run. So what does Tarsus represent in this story? Comfort, ease, security, hiding, and a suntan. So of all the places Jonah could have ran, he ran to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. We all know, if, you've, if you know the book of Jonah, what kind of happens next. He jumps on this ship, and the Lord begins to frustrate his journey. The Lord begins to add frustration to his journey. Uh, the, he, <clears throat> he sends a storm on the ship. And then Jonah says to the guys, look, you got to throw me overboard because the Lord is frustrating this journey. The guys were like, well, hang on, bro. Like, didn't wake up this morning wanting to, you know, kill a guy, you know, throw him overboard. Let's just get the oars out. We'll row a bit harder. This has happened before. The Lord intensifies the storm. And then the guys kind of go, yeah, maybe let's throw this guy overboard. You know, it's getting a bit out of hand. So they throw him overboard and the storm stops. The, the sailors, the fishermen, they end up, you know, turning to the Lord and going, you know what, we're going to worship you. Jonah gets a bit of a raw end of the deal and gets swallowed by a whale, casually as you do. Ends up in the depths, in the belly of this whale, in the darkness, and he prays this beautiful prayer of repentance to the Lord. He says, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm abbreviating it big time, but just for the sake of time. He says, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to turn back to you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to go to Tarshish. I want to go to Nineveh. Would you give me another chance? And we pick up again in Jonah 3, verses 1 to 5, and it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Who's grateful that the Lord has given you a second time in your life, a third time, a fourth time, 222nd time, maybe for myself. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord this time and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began going by a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on a sackcloth. So we have this amazing moment then. The king writes this decree. He's like, we're all going to worship the Lord. And if you notice what we read there, Jonah didn't actually have to do anything that difficult. He just had to step into what God told him to do. He literally walked around the city saying, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then, poof, Holy Spirit breathes and a whole city turns to the Lord. So much more hassle to try and go to Tarshish, although it seems better. So much more ease for yourself, for the people, and the glorification. Is that even a word, glorification? I think it is. The glorification of the Lord. The Lord getting the glory when you step in to what God asks you to do. We read on, and this is, this is the fun part. This is where I'm going to use the tree. Jonah 4, verses 1 to 11, says this. Jonah is having a wee bit of a huff because he didn't like the Ninevites. He thought, well, Lord, you should just wipe them out because we're your chosen people and you should just take them out. Jonah didn't like the fact that the Lord actually spared every single one of them. So he's went in, he's seen this miracle and he goes, right, I'm going to walk out to the east of the city and have a huff. And he sits out the east of the city, right? 
And let's pick up in Jonah 4, verses 1 to 11. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You ever been there? God hasn't done it exactly how you thought he should have done it. You thought he should have dealt with that person this way. You thought this is how the direction of church should have went. You thought this is how things should have rolled. And we find ourselves huffing with God, going, I feel like this is very wrong. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. He's still waiting to see if God, like all these people have like just given their lives to the Lord and he's still waiting to see, Lord, are you going to like, going to do them all in here like or what's happening? Then the Lord provided a leafy plant. Hey, here we go. Or a vine in some translations. And he made it to grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head and ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. Very happy about it. Scratching his back, wee bit of shade. How good is God, though, in the midst of disobedience, in the midst of complaining, that he's like, let me comfort you. Let's have a talk. Father, son, father, daughter. It's all good. Here's a wee leafy plant. Sit down. Have a wee bit of shade. We're going to have a chat. But the next day... God also provided a worm. I forgot to ask for the worm. It's going to chew the plant. Um, which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head that he grew faint, that he wanted to die. Jonah's at the east of the city. The Lord's providing a scorching east wind. What is the Lord saying? He's taking away the plant. He's like, we've had our wee chat. You're all good. I've comforted you. Here's an east wind. What's the east wind saying? Get back into the city. Stop sitting out there. Here's a scorching east wind. Here, do you feel that? Like a wee bit of heat here. Get in. Follow it. You want shade? Get into the city. Time to grow up. Time to do what I've sent you to do. You've already done it, but there's more to be done. And then... The sun blazed in Jonah's head, he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. He's angry about something that he didn't even, like, do anything for. <laughs> but the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it was sheer grace. Sprang up overnight, died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, where there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their left hand from their right, and also many animals? There you go. From my animal lovers in the house, God's concerned about your dog and your cat. Cannot confirm, but at least he thinking about them. How crazy is that story? I love the story of Jonah. Do you know why? Because I am Jonah most weeks of the year. Whether it's in the small, when God asks me to step out and do something uncomfortable, it's going to refine my character, it's going to help someone else, and it's going to glorify God. Because ultimately, 
That's what Nineveh was. Nineveh, when Jonah stepped into it, refined Jonah, taught Jonah a lesson. He went on a journey with God and God spoke to him. They went out, they sat at the plant, they had a chat. God taught him a valuable lesson at the end. It refined Jonah as a person. It helped 150,000 people. And God got glorified by a nation and a city of people that once did not glorify him. Nineveh for us is that. It could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. It's the things that we need to step into, the obedience, the things that God's asked us to do. Tarshish is the other thing. It's the comfortable other option. It's easy. It makes sense. We justify it. It's easy to get to. It's secure. But ultimately, it lacks purpose. It lacks the ability to help others. I mean, I remember when I first got into ministry, I remember last time I preached this, I said, I wouldn't have chose to be a pastor. I wouldn't have chose to be a preacher, to be a minister. If Ryan had had it his way, he would have been on some island in Thailand, relaxing as a scuba diver instructor, and I would have just chilled out and had an easy life. But who would that have helped? Might have helped a couple of people get their diving license. But really, it, wouldn't, it would have lacked purpose. It would have been all about me. But obeying God has been the most amazing journey that I've, I ever could have been on. In that obedience, I've been able to work with some of the best people in the planet that I love. I've been able to help so many people together. Not just me, but in community with so many people. And I wouldn't have trade, I wouldn't trade that for the world. And that's the thing. That's the lie about Tarshish. Tarshish makes you think that it's a better option. That it's an easy option. It's a comfortable option. That I'm not, oh God, I'm not going to listen to you. No, 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 no. Don't like that chapter in the Bible. No, rip it out. Boom, boom. Edited version. No, Lord, you're prompting me to step into something. No, no, I'd rather. Tarshish is the easier option. Nineveh is where it's at. Nineveh is where the action's at. Nineveh is where you're going to get refined. It's where people are going to be helped, and it's where God is going to be glorified. And you may ask, Ryan, that's all well and good. Like, I get what you're saying, it's, but it's pretty kind of throwing it out there a little bit. Like, how do I know that I'm stepping into something of God? Like, how do I know that I'm stepping into Nineveh or that I haven't tricked myself into Tarshish? I remember asking that exact same question once. And a good friend of mine, a pastor, who now pastors in Jersey, suffering for the Lord on the island of Jersey, um, he said, Ryan, it's really simple, actually. You just do the kingdom test. He's like, you ask yourself, is what I'm stepping into for God's glory? Is it all about me or is it about a greater purpose? And are people going to be helped through what I'm stepping into? If you're stepping into something that's all about you, that disregards others, that it's just really, I mean, to put it bluntly, just a selfish option, then you really need to get and have some prayer time and ask yourself, Lord, is this the right thing I'm doing? You need to get some good counsel. You need to speak to your pastor. You need to speak to your group leader or whoever, and you need to go, look, is this the right thing I'm stepping into? Because it might not be. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. I'm not here to say what, what you choose is or isn't of the Lord. I'm just here to get you thinking about it.
Is that all right? Because it says in Proverbs 19.21, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And if your life is surrendered to the Lord, His purpose will prevail if you keep surrendering. And so really you have two options. Am I going to run to Tarshish, end up frustrated, end up in a storm, end up in the belly of the whale? Or am I going to suck it up and go, you know what, Lord, where's my Nineveh? What would you have me do? What does Nineveh look like for me? So three quick observations, and then we're going to crack on. Are you ready? Anyone? Yeah? yeah? Come on, nice. You following? Yeah? All good? Great. Observation number one, looking at the life of Jonah, what we just read. What's good isn't always God, and purpose isn't always preference. What's good isn't always God, and what's purpose isn't always preference. Something that we can see is good, we rationalize it, doesn't necessarily mean it's God. I remember when the Lord called me to Bible college, my boss in Australia had just offered me a sponsorship visa, answer to all my dreams. All I wanted was to live in Australia or have the option to live there permanently. He's like, I'm going to sponsor you. You're going to two years. You got your citizenship. Work with me. There's money. There's promotion involved. There's security. I got your back. You're the man. Let's do it. Problem is, God had called me to Bible college. So then I started going, hey, I can go to Bible college later, right? Do evening college. Do alpha. Bible college will still be there in two years. Felt the Holy Spirit's got to be nigh. Ah, you know, it's just kind of, it's all right, it's all right. So what did, what did I do? Of course, I took the sponsorship visa, as you do. I was like, screw it, I'm going to go down this route. I'm going to run to Tarshish, and we'll figure out Nineveh later. Well, the Lord frustrated my plans. Like, I'll not get into it, but the Lord frustrated my plans. And I had to pull up my socks, pull back, and say, you know what? I'm meant to be in Bible college. Had to cancel a visa, jump onto a student visa, step into Bible college, and my gosh, if I never had made that decision, I dread to think where I would be. I needed those three years. For me, for what we done through different ministries for others, as a team, as a college, as a church, and it was just such a great season of learning to worship, learning to walk, learning to be more like God, that I never could have got anywhere else. Jonah wanted Tarshish, not Nineveh. Tarshish fitted his comforts better, and on paper, it looked good. He would have been like, you know what, Lord, it's good. I can be a prophet in Tarshish. I'll just live a bit better. I'll just, you know, I'll just not have to go anywhere near those Assyrians. The thing is, even though it was good, it wasn't God, because God wanted Jonah in Nineveh. There's many things that are going to come, many carrots that are going to dangle in front of us as we outwork our faith and go, this is good, this is good. But we'll know in our hearts it's not God. Phil sent me an amazing video um, of a pastor that was speaking in another church over in Bam Bridge, and he, he alluded to this really well. He talked about how he was in a relationship, and it was good. It was good enough for him to stay in it, but not godly enough or not good enough for him to step into marriage. And he said, and I'm saying the same, he's not trying to break anyone up, but he was just saying that like, it was good. He didn't want to be on his own on a Saturday night watching X Factor. <laughs> his, his joke, his credit. <laughs> but it wasn't godly. It wasn't purposeful enough for him to want to take the next step into marriage. And that's one example of many things in life that we can do. 
It can be good. And until we let go, God can't fill our hands because they're closed. Purpose doesn't always look like preference. Now more than ever, I feel like our generation, we want our purpose to be our preference. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to do what you tell me to do, but I want it to be exactly how I want it to be. And the best, most fun, amazing, enjoyable, happy journey of my life. And you're going to take care of all that. And yeah, I'd like 500,000 pounds in the bank, please, by next year. Next year. That's my preference, Lord. But I'm going to attach a wee bit of purpose to it and call it good. Nah, man. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. Tarshish was the preference of Jonah in the moment. But sometimes it's good to just go, you know what? Purpose doesn't always look like preference, but purpose is better than preference. I give the analogy earlier of if I had to choose my preference back in the day, I probably wouldn't be here. I'm sure Phil would have been the same. I'm sure he's had many times where his preference told him to do something else in an emotional moment, in a moment of pain. But God's purpose will always lead you into better, better for you, better for those around you. And again, I keep repeating this because it's the theme and God gets the glory. Point number two, complaining leads to detaining. Complaining leads to detaining. Complacency will produce exactly what it says. Just look at our mate Jonah out here. Jonah felt like he wanted to die. Felt like he didn't want anything to do with God's will. Why? Because he just kept moaning. Lord, I feel I'm complaining. You took away the plant. You gave me the plant. Told me to put me in the wheel. You vomited me out of the wheel. And now I'm here. You've done an amazing miracle, but I don't care. Because you didn't do it how I want you to do it. And I'm telling you guys, because I, like, I so relate to Jonah. Like, just ask my wife. She'll sit, you know, I'm under the plant, you know, every day, you know. Got like a Jonah plant. I just sit under it. One thing I've noticed over the years, and I'm always trying to improve, is see complaining about church, whatever, you know, the area I live in, Northern Ireland, COVID, life, whatever you start and continually complain about, it's the fastest way to zap the joy of the Lord from your heart. Remember when I first moved to London from Australia? First six months, you've never heard someone complain so much in your life. What have you done, Lord? Walking, walking to the tube in the rain. <laughs> Umbrella gets taken by the wind. People bumping into you on the tube. You're on, the, the crazy thing about London, you're on a tube packed with thousands of people. No one says a word. You walk in trying to be nice. Hello. Whoa, 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 bro. Lord, what have you done? Two years ago, I was living 30 seconds from a gorgeous beach. Worshipping you in your house, serving you. You call me here? And I complain, complain, complain. I'm telling you, I was a miserable person for those six months. And it only took the Lord in a crazy way to bring me back to Australia for 10 days. Paid for. Weird thing happened. And I got this trip to Australia paid for. When I came back and I stood in the same street that I used to walk down that led from my apartment 
to college, to church. I looked at the same coffee shops. I'd had so many purposeful meetings. I'd been discipled in. I'd been mentored in. I stood there, and all my friends had gone back to their churches. They'd gone back to where they were from. And I stood there, and I looked, and I went, I have no purpose here whatsoever. The people are gone. The season is over. I need to get back to London. And I went back to London with a different mindset. You know what, Lord? You've called me here. You've called me here because you want to do something in my life here. You've called something because you want to do something through me here. And you've called me here because you're going to use me to glorify your name here. If you're sitting here today, if you're on R8 team, if you're unsure, I'm telling you, if God's called you here, he's going to refine you here. If God's called you here, he's going to, doesn't matter, Jonah wasn't perfect. On the journey, as you're working it out, as you're sitting by the plant, he'll use you to reach people here. And I'm telling you, he will use you to glorify his name here. And that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it may feel hard. Sometimes it may not feel like, I don't know, everything is your preference. But if you know that you know that you know that God has positioned you here, I promise you, the worst thing you can do is complain. It's just going to detain you. It's going to keep you outside the city. It's going to keep you outside the miracle and prevent you from stepping into what God has for you. Imagine Jonah celebrated what God had done. All right, Lord, you can do Nineveh. We're next. Let's go Babylon. We can take them. Let's go London. Hey, let's take, you know, imagine Jonah had just been like, look what you can do. But instead, he wasn't even seeing the miracle because he was so caught up and wanting control. Guys, you're sitting in a, like, you're sitting in an amazing church. Amen. We are so, so thankful we find this church. Phil, we're so thankful to know you and Anna. We're so thankful to know this team. This church was God for us. And it's miraculous. Look at, look at what's happening. People getting saved, alpha, coming in, people's lives being changed. The worst thing you could do is get a wee bit offended, get a wee bit bitter, get a wee bit hurt, and take yourself out of the miracle and sit on the side and just having it out with the Lord, having it out with the Lord whenever the Lord's sending the east wind to go and get back in there, get involved. There's land to take. A miracle is happening. I'm only getting started. Come on, let's go. I love you. We're going to do it together. Let's roll. Do you believe that? Point number three, it's never too late to restart your heart. It's never too late to restart your heart. God was trying to get to Jonah's heart. He was working with Jonah along the journey, showing him grace multiple times, getting him out of the wheel, pushing him into the city. And this is encouraging because God used, I mean, we'll talk about it in heaven, Jonah, but like God used a moan, you know, a moan to save a nation. And guess what? I'm Jonah. I moan. You're Jonah. If you don't moan, let, show me your hand and we can grab a coffee after and you can tell me how you do that. And if God can use Jonah on the journey to save a nation, guys, he's got the grace. This is, this is, even, this is Old Testament stuff. And look at the grace for the city of Nineveh, for Jonah. Come on, God doesn't change. It's always been a gracious, compassionate God from Genesis right through to today, from the beginning of all time. And God shows us that we can work it out along the way and he can still use us to do great things. God's grace and love is evident throughout the story. 
He forgives, he restores, he loves, and he gives Jonah purpose continuously while guiding him like a father to get back on track. And that's the thing. Jonah knew of God's character. He needed a heart revelation of it. And so what do we get to do? We get to go, you know what, Lord? If you've done it for Jonah, you can do it for me. I'm not perfect, but I'm up for it. Tarshish will always be there. It's always going to be tempting. I'm always going to maybe do a week, you know, maybe 100 meters towards it. But I can pray like David and I can go, Lord, you know what? Create in me a clean, a new heart. I'm just going to keep saying, Father, I surrender to you. I want Nineveh, even though my heart says Tarshish. Let's work this out. Let's have a couple of vine chats. Let's get there together. Because don't know about you, but I've been in the belly, of whale a few, the belly of the whale a few times. I've sat under the vine with a hot wind pushing on my neck quite a few times. But every time I realize that being bang smack in the middle of Nineveh is always the best place for me to be. Because that is bang smack in the middle of God's purpose. Where he refines me, uses me to help others, and he gets the glory. Oh, sorry, band. Yeah, you can, you can, the band can come up as we, as we start this. We start to get ready to close. Sorry, I meant to ask you guys at point number three. Because I'm nearly done. So what are we going to do in this moment? What's this whole sermon about? Well, really, it can be broken down into one sentence. That God's ways are higher than our ways. And there's always going to be a fight for that. But today, all I want to do is really have a moment where we're going to sing and we're going to take communion as we always do. But just have a moment where we all get to say, if you want, of course, that I choose Nineveh. I'm up for it. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it looks like jumping on a church team and going, you know what? The Lord is pushing me. Maybe, you know, when Phil was talking about kids team, the Lord was like, come on, sir, serve the next generation. I put a gift in you. You can do that. And you'd be like, ah. And then every week, just that wee niggle. Come on, you don't want to end up under the vine, man. Because I'm telling you, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something personal to you. A text you know you need to send, a call you know you need to have. Maybe it's about getting away from under the vine. Maybe you're here, but like Jonah, your eyes are oblivious to the miracle that's in front of you. And God's saying, come on, get involved. Step forward. I've got plans for you. I've got purpose for you. Maybe you just need to say, you know what, screw it. I'm getting out from under this vine. I'm going into Nineveh. I'm stepping into all that God has for me. And all I know from reading this story is that we've read together is that God's grace, love, and his fatherly chats and his fatherly hand of reassurance will be with you every step of the way as you choose his ways over the ways of the world. So all I really want to do as we finish is pray to that end. Pray for two groups of people and then we're going to sing and just give whatever it is in our life to God in this moment. Whatever it is you know maybe you need to be obedient in, or the things that maybe you've been resisting, you'll know that. The Holy Spirit will convict you on that. I'm just setting up a moment. But let me finish with this, and then we're going to pray for those people. In that area where Nineveh is, in northern Iraq, still to this day, the people celebrate what's called a Jonah fast. And that's the people of that area remembering and thanking God 
that he sent Jonah to save them. Otherwise, them, their families, and their city wouldn't exist today. Is it amazing what happens whenever one man or woman steps into what God asks them to do? And I don't know about you, but COVID, I feel like I still need to shake the COVID cobwebs a bit. And I was preparing for this, and I'm like, Lord, 100%. Why can us as a church as R8, why can we not think that we can change and influence cities for the glory of God as, you, as we work it out along the way? Why can we not, like, let's shake these cobwebs and just go, Lord, you know what? 100%. People can be talking in thousands of years' times, if we make it that far, <laughs> that, my gosh, when our eight church was here, the people there, what they'd done for this city, for this area, we're still celebrating it. We're still thanking God for it now. And it's as easy as just us all slipping in to what God asks us to do and saying, we choose Nineveh. So come on, why don't we stand? First group of people I want to pray for, if that's you, uh, if you're a Christian in the room and you can relate to Jonah, you feel like you need to choose the things of God more. Maybe you've been sitting at the vine, maybe you're in the belly of the whale and you feel like the choices you've made or whatever, you feel like you've almost turned your back a bit on God. Trust me, he's right there to welcome you back. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But you're in here today and you're like, you know what, Ryan, I want to choose Nineveh. I want to choose the things of God. I want to stop entertaining Tarshish. I want to stop running towards it. I want to stop thinking that it's going to be amazing if I'm there. I want to choose Nineveh. I want to choose now. I want to choose everything God has for me in this season and the future. Then with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, it's a real stake in the ground. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything. I just want you to put an action to that decision in front of the Lord and raise your hand and say, Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariatchurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.